0: Hello, good Saturday morning. A great day to be alive, enjoying the beautiful weather. This is Saturday Java with Jason. I have my coffee. <clears throat> ah, do you have yours? Today I am drinking Donut Shop Blend by Bull and Basket. A classically smooth blend with an incredibly well-balanced flavor goes great with a donut or bagel. Please like the podcast. We are here to please you. Please subscribe if you don't want to miss the lineup. Please leave a review to show the guests you really care. It's my honor to introduce Brenda from Horrifying History. She's a podcaster right now and she has many out there right now. I think she's on season 5. So let me introduce Brenda.
1: Hi there. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for being on. Like I said, you're the host of Horrifying History. Can you just give a brief description of what that is?
1: Well, Horrifying History is a podcast I started in late October 2019, can't believe how that time has passed, and we release episodes every Wednesday, so how I'd like to describe Horrifying History, it's the place where fact, history, lore, and the supernatural all collide. So in each show, what we do is we pick a spooky topic, and we tell our listeners about the history and the lore, but we also present, if it's available, science, documentation, and the facts behind the subject, and we do that to allow our audience to decide where the truth actually lies while we tell a good story along the way. We don't tell people what to think on our show. We just give them all the information to let them come up with it themselves.
0: Now, you've done things from Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory to doppelgangers, to vampires, black-eyed children, Ouija boards. Out of all those things that you've done, what was your favorite and why?
1: I don't know if you're going to like my answer because before we were on air, I just have to tell you all that we were talking about, he told me about the two, the shows that he didn't listen. And it's the two shows that I, that you didn't listen to. And it's about voodoo. And the reason is I find with a lot of different things out there, there there's so much chafe, I guess, that, and people don't know what the truth is. It's almost like that the, the historical game of like, pass a secret down the line and what it turns out from the beginning to the end. And when it comes to voodoo, there it, it is a lot, a lot of false information about that. And so I just wanted to clean that up a little bit and tell people what's really going on. It's not evil people. It really isn't.
0: <laughs> now, people might not know doppelgangers, but I want to talk to you for a moment about that because... That had to do with one of our precedents, Abraham Lincoln. Can yes. you just give a brief overview of what a doppelganger is and what happens supposedly to Abraham Lincoln?
1: Well, just the quick story is a doppelganger is basically a ghost of you. For lack of better terms, it looks like you. And in that episode specifically, we dove into the science a bit and also the history of a doppelganger. Mostly they're said to be almost like a harbinger of death that you see if you see your own doppelganger you're going to be dead so we talk about a couple stories of one that it wasn't that way but it cost her a lot of jobs and we were talking about some people famous in history that were like Catherine the Great for example who saw her own doppelganger and she was dead a couple weeks later same thing with Elizabeth the and in there also was my own personal story of my doppelganger just to let you know who it is <laughs> I just look like a person. That's it. But people thought, thought I had a doppelganger for about a year. But with when it came to Abe Lincoln, it was well documented because he told the story to a friend of his who was part of the press. And the short story is he went for a nap in the White House, like on his couch. And he woke up and he looked into a mirror and seen his own doppelganger. He seen two images. And at this point in time, him and his wife were doing a lot of spiritualism, seances, things like that in the White House. And she was, they were both told that they both have ability to a certain extent but it was his wife mary that said i think this is a harbinger of your death and very quickly after we all know what happened to abraham lincoln
0: right and do you believe that everybody has a doppelganger
1: now scientifically absolutely Now, and that's something that we've proven in the show that basically to have an exact copy, it is almost an impossibility, like the odds are like one to like a trillion to one. But if you think about it, when you look at my doppelganger, who I know her now, we do look a lot alike, but if I was walking down a street right across the street from you you would think she is me and I am her and that happens a lot and it, it usually what the difference is like for example my nose might be like a millimeter longer or my eyes might be a millimeter closer than hers so there's not an exact copy but do I believe that there is harbingers of death I think so if you look at even on the science side there is a lot of ways and reasons a person can have an hallucination and it doesn't mean necessarily drugs but it is possible and I do, I worked in the hospital for years. I've seen many a times where people have seen what they say is people from their lives or even themselves, and basically to prepare them to go. So, with that said, I do believe there's something there. What it exactly is, I'm not sure. But do I do believe there is people out there that look like me or you? Yeah, I believe both.
0: <laughs> now, should you be afraid? Should people be afraid? To see their own doppelganger, where they'd be looking around the corners and stuff from now on. No,
1: no, and here's why. I obviously you listen to my show, so <laughs> I put out a lot of stuff out there that if you wanted to, you'd be terrified of. But I'm not terrified of because I look at both sides of the story. I look at the lore, the history, and why that those things per se came up, and and how the stories developed from there, and the way I see it. Let's just say, let's just talk about, say, for example, Bigfoot. Do I rule that out? No, there's not enough proof either way to say whether or not there is. And there's new animals being seen or discovered every single day. Even now, when we're all over the planet, we're still discovering new things. So I'm not ruling out anything. I don't know what happens when we die. I have no idea. I didn't die yet. So I'm not I'm not willing to rule out a thing and I'm not willing to take a hard stand on anything because ultimately when it comes to doppelgangers, I truly do believe that a person can have some or that could see something or whatever, know something, their body not feeling right. I've seen it a million times. Say, for example, like, oh, what? I don't feel right. You go to the doctor, like they're fine. And then you hear the stories like six months, a year later, they find out they have something severe wrong with them I think that could very much manifest if a person in something as a physical warning absolutely
0: now one thing that you talked about on your podcast it really scares the hell out of me (laughs) I'm not sure if it's real or not but you talk about children that come up to your car and they look totally normal
1: oh the black-eyed children
0: the black-eyed children
1: See, now, if that ha- I'm not, again, I've taken a lot of flack for that episode. That is the episode I've taken the most flack for because people presume that I don't believe in a black eyed children. I never once say that in the episodes. So I'm using your show to clear the air with this one. You got the <laughs> scoop. With that said, they have been able to prove where it started in the sense that it, it got out into the press, it went out to the internet. There is a provable start to that legend. I never at all did say that the guy made it up. Or, but what I think is, and it was actually a listener that emailed about it and gave a really good idea about it. If you believe in some sort of possession, that could be explain it. She goes, but where I'm thinking of is aliens, and I'm like, but that's actually a really good theory if you think about it, it. It could be, it could be a million and one different things. But that's the st- the problem is the story has a start point. So it's not like it's lore, say, for example, the lore of werewolves or, or vampirism that goes back to the beginning of time. Black-eyed children has a start point, but I'm not saying that it's not necessarily true. And I'm not saying necessarily these people didn't have experiences. All I know, if somebody came up my doorstep, knocked on the door and say, Hey, you want to buy some girl guide cookies and their eyes are black? I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I don't, okay. Give me the (laughs) cookies, but, but go. (laughs) You're not there. You're coming in the house, but it is a very interesting concept. And there is a lot of various options out there that it could be. They would creep me out though. I would just come in. Can I come into your house? I don't let anyone into my house. I don't care. Even it's my mom. She's like, can I come in? Like, eh, not today.
0: Until you look at her, (laughs) until you look at her eyes and then the black.
1: Slam. (laughs) I'm good. Leave the cookies at the door.
0: But yeah, you talked about a lot of things in your podcast. A lot of them are very gruesome. A lot of them are kind of funny. But one of the things that really got me, one of the most gruesome, I would say, was Elizabeth Bethry.
1: I have been slightly obsessed with her since I've been about like 12 or 13 years old. There was two things that made me obsessed with this woman. Number one is I read the story. Now, you've probably heard this in the air. I mentioned a couple times. I blame my grandmother for me liking spooky stuff because I'm talking as like early as I can remember. My mom would drop me off at my grandma's house so she could go grocery shopping. And so grandma's like, oh, here, read the newspapers. Well, her newspapers was the World News, the Globe, the na- National Enquirer. So I blame her and all that spooky stuff. But when it, when it comes to beliefs, beliefs in general, I find that it's, you can look at, a, a good example is the Men in Black, that they use those as their their papers, their information. I'm not saying that Elvis is living... In Maryland on a farm milking cows. <laughs> yeah, but
0: but- I saw him there.
1: People see things, right? And they believe in things. And I think that's where my, my, I remember seeing Black Eyed Children on that very early. But Elizabeth Bathory, her story was there. And of course, it's a sensationalized story. And as a kid, you're, of course, you're going to jump into that. But then there are right around that same time. I don't know if you guys had it where you were at. It was a board game that had like a videotape and you played it. It was called Nightmare. And she was one of the characters. I always played her. Always, always played her. Because I love the idea of the fact it was a female vampire that was large and in charge because historically if you look at it it's always men it's always men but now finally we had a woman who was butchering people i'm I, I have i'm on board with that so that's how i actually loved it but the thing is when you listen to that episode we go give both sides there's a lot of lore that says what she did and a lot of rumor but if you look at proof the proof is a little sketchy and so did she do it I believe she did. Did she do it as much as they said? Hard to say. But I also think she was a victim of her times. Absolutely. Because in those times, in her family, viciousness is how you survived. If you wanted power, you killed. If you look at her genealogy, they're not all well in the head. So there is. I think there is nature versus nurture versus times and a whole lot of she liked the blood.
0: Well, even talking about vampires, that all started out, they believe with Vlad, the Impaler.
1: Well, when it went mainstream with Dracula. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you have her and Vlad. In your eyes, Brenda's eyes, (laughs) who's worse? Oh,
1: my gosh. I'm going to go with, okay, who would I respect more in an evil way? Like for their evilness? Vlad. Because if I were going and if I was at war, How better to scare them away if you have a less of an army than the other side than just grabbing some of those guys and impaling them and putting them around your, your house. Like if that happened and I was the other army walking up, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to leave now. So I respect it on a completely gruesome, horrible way to actually go and give fear to your enemy. Right. But I think Elizabeth is totally unique. Uh, and she's hard. It's hard to compare her against anybody because, again, during these times, women weren't in power in any way, shape, or form. And she not only ruled that area with a with a with a fist, but she got away with stuff that I think, in part, it was because of her social stature, the fear that her that they they had of her, but also her family influence and. That, that is something it's unheard of at the time. It really has been. You wouldn't expect a person like Vlad to exist. You wouldn't expect somebody like Elizabeth to exist in those times.
0: Well, from a female's point of view, though, she was still striking fear, not only in her enemies, but also in, I guess you could say, her friends, too.
1: Oh, yeah, she had she had her helpers. She had a whole network. And again, looking at on an evil scale, you got to respect her planning. She really set up a good network to be able to uh, add a network based on fear to get what she wanted. So is it any different than Vlad? Not really. Vlad just took it in a different way to basically say to his opponents, come on, bring it. I dare you. Whereas she controlled the whole region and everybody's actions. And again, for the times, both of them are very unique.
0: Right. And then you also did the haunted houses. You also, and in haunted hotels, you talked about like the insane asylums. You talked about the uh, Winchester house. You talked about all those things. Mm-hmm. What was your most intriguing haunted place that you've done and why?
1: I think it's the Sally house. And the reason is, I remember there was a show and I seen it on the internet when I was like, younger, way younger. And it was, it was called sightings. And I kind of got a little addicted to that show. And basically the Sally house was one of their end episodes, but what they were doing, they went in and with the Sally house, with the ghost of alleged Sally and her injuring the male of the house that was on that show. So back when I'm like a T early teen, I'm already addicted to this stuff. And to put the fact that you actually on air show a scratch, that at the t- that to me, that's why I, I love the Sally house. But the problem is looking into the Sally house, it's very difficult to pinpoint who the alleged Sally is. It really is because they've had a lot of children's deaths in there. But the question I always had with that house is why is the child violent? If it is a child. And if th- you go look at that site, there is death in that area, a lot of death. And that's my thought about it. If it's a ghost,
0: is it really a child? I don't know. But there's a lot of houses out there that have like poltergeist activity or paranormal Mm -hmm. supposedly activity. Right. Like there's the Winchester house supposedly that has some activity. You have the Lizzie Borden house up in Boston that has activity. Mm -hmm. So is it all you think kind of the same thing where, look, they just want to be noticed.
1: I don't think so. I think that if if for go or for a haunting, it's a, a, a different, different reasons, different reasons. For example, and also you have different types of activity. Like you said, there's poltergeist based activity. There is imprints. There is actual real hauntings. So there's a lot of different options out there. But honestly, like I'll give a great example is the Ottawa Hostel that's here. It used to be the Ottawa Jail. I spoke about it a couple times, and I'm going to stay at that place. I got it. I I have to, because it was a jail and it was where. They had actual hangings, lots of them, because Canada, at when the time this was running at its fullest, it did have the death penalty. Doesn't anymore. But it, going into this place and touring it, oh, you would love it. It has the an actual distill. The, the gallows are there and work, and they and they have a little rope hanging from it. So basically, you walk in the front doors and there's a gallows in the room that you're at. They just dropped people there. They had big barn doors they opened up so everybody could watch. And with that, it's a great example because not only are people, there seems to be some support or poltergeist sort of based activity, which makes logical sense because poltergeist comes from heightened emotion. And there's a lot of that there because it was a prison. And what people don't know about it is it wasn't just a prison for men nor women. It was everyone, their families, their children, and it was used for debitors. So for example, if you owed five bucks to somebody, You, your wife, and your kids would all go to jail. So absolutely, there's the ability to have a poltergeist-based activity there, which they allegedly report. There is also people who are wrongly accused and killed, and they are also there too, which again, it's because they're looking for their justice, right? Then you have the other imprints that come from the violence that happens in prisons. So there is, like, for example, people say that they often see the spirit of somebody falling off the stairs and goes into repeat. Well, they have a lot of people being thrown over their stairs, and it was prisoners and it was guards. So it could be almost anybody. But again, it really depends on the site, it depends on the history, and it depends on really truly what happened is what you
0: get. Right. And there's one state penitentiary in Pennsylvania that is supposedly to haunted too. And I'm not sure if about that one, but there's supposedly to torture and killings in that one too. Mm-hmm. Supposedly that's haunted along with Alcatraz. There's a <laughs> lot of are haunted.
1: But if you think about it, if what they're saying, if what to believe, what a lot of researchers say is a lot of the spirit activity is based off emotion. So think about it. It could be positive or negative. That's why you'll see some positive hauntings, some negative hauntings. But in a place like Alcatraz or the Ottawa Hostel, which used to be a horrible prison, or like our mental health facilities, they weren't mental health facilities. Those are basically places where you drop people off and tortured them until they died. Let's be honest here. Now, why wouldn't? all that emotion in print. And of course, if people die there and die in traumatic ways, which happened a lot, of course, it makes sense that they stay.
0: Right. And there's one, I don't remember her name. I know you did the podcast on it. It was about Mary who was sent to a. She had, I believe. Oh, co- typhoid
1: Mary. Ty- typhoid yes. Mary. Yeah, she went to in New York city. They put her on, they in quarantine on, on an island. Yes, because I I can totally get her side of things a bit because of what happened to the world the last couple of years. I can understand that she was a not asymptomatic at all. So she didn't think she was sick. And the sad thing is nobody told her actually what was really wrong with her. So I can see why she would basically go out and work and house and say, heck with that, I'm, I don't feel sick, I'm fine. And also with the times too, that was part of medicine. People only thought you were sick if you were physically sick, they didn't realize that you could be a carrier. And she was a carrier. And that's why she got locked into an island, which really sucks. How they handled it, that case was pretty bad. And in healthcare, Typhoid Mary is a very famous lady. Actually off a side note that I've never told on my show is I'm a carrier of scarlet fever. I found that out totally by accident. And so my first reaction when my doctor, who's a friend of mine, he told me this, and I'm like, so I'm Typhoid Mary? If I get strep, I get strep, basically scarlet fever is strep C. And I said, so in other words, if I get strep A, I'm actually passing strep C. I'm giving people scarlet fever and I never had it before ever. And he goes, you don't remember? I'm like, I've never had it. I just remember getting really sick in high school for like two weeks and they didn't know what it was. And then I, I lived my life. So apparently I'm typhoid Mary, just with scarlet fever.
0: So you're Scarlet Fever, Brenda, then?
1: Scarlet Fever. We've got to come up with something better than that. It's something rhymy or something, but I was shocked to hear it. So now if I ever get even a hint of strep throat, I'm on lockdown. Because I can't afford somebody else to get sick because of me. I'm not going to give them what I have.
0: Okay. Now, my favorite subject, and I was told I'm never allowed to bring this into the house, is, is a Ouija board. <laughs> And I was wondering, would you, if I was ever going to have a game, would you be in on it?
1: Oh, yeah. I remember there was a movie called Witchboard. And my sister, like, we watched it when we were little kids. And so she instantly went to the store, got a Ouija board. And we were Ouija, Ouija boarding the heck out of my parents' house. And they never knew. Sorry for the people who bought it. If there's any ghosts there, my bad. But I took it a step further because I was, I will, well, I guess I would say a stupid child, in some in, in some belief systems a stupid child, in another belief system a brave child. So I thought, hey, there's a couple graveyards by my place. They have my family in it. Let's go talk to some of my family. So my girlfriend and I went and took the Ouija board and went down to these cemeteries that are on a crossroad. One's on one side, one's on the other side. That experience scared me off of a Ouija board. And the why? It was like everyone was talking at once. It would be somebody breaking in, somebody breaking in, somebody breaking in. And then I got a message saying, I'm so cl- glad you came to see me, my grandchild. Stopped. Because my grandfather was in the cemetery. I stopped. And like, done. Walking away. Bad idea. So don't do that in a graveyard. That's actually one of the rules. When we talk about the graveyard, there's a reason. Because I did it. It freaks you out. <laughs> And I'm sorry if I brought any relatives home again, whoever bought my parents' farm, I apologize, but that was my fault.
0: Now, the way you talked about it on your podcast, there's many rules that you're supposed to go through and this and that. And playing with the dead, you talk about a lot. You talk about the Ouija boards. You talk about different games you can play. Have you ever played those games? The, Mary in a mirror or
1: never. I, 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 you would expect me to, I brought a Ouija board into a graveyard for crying out loud, but no, I have never played it because again, I was very young and I saw the original candy man. My mom. Okay. My mom and dad were like, Hey, let's put our three-year-old on the couch with horror movies. I was the one sneaking downstairs hiding in the living room. So they couldn't see me to watch said movies. And they were watching candy man, the original which I love to this day. And I'm like, Hell to the no, I'm not doing any of that stuff. So a lot of the spooky stuff I could have done. it was I was scared off of it at a very early age because I watched horror movies, yes,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you were talking about like ten year old stuff like that playing like Bloody Mary and or going into a closet and playing this game, that game. Uh, so you never done any of those games when you were not eighteen. Like,
1: not a single one, no, because watching the candy man scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not taking a risk that a hook man's going to crawl through my mirror and then like come and kill me. No. Now, do I believe that that could happen? There's actually a story out of the States that happened a while ago that a woman was thinking there was something wrong with her mirror. She moved it and it went into the apartment next door and there was a person on the other side. So I don't play with mirrors. nope what if there's a dude on the other side i don't know but i never did never once
0: that's hard to believe brenda i know it's hard to believe
1: thank Candyman because that scared the heck out of me my three-year-old to four-year-old self hiding underneath the couch going oh my god i can't look at a mirror ever again i was terrified of mirrors meanwhile i watched that witchboard movie i'm like we got to get one of those let's try that out
0: now Is there anything that you did do in the past and now you're older and you're like, wow, that was quite stupid of me.
1: (laughs) Oh God. Yes. (laughs) Do you want a grocery list? (laughs) i think that all happens to us but as talking about the paranormal absolutely not i did the experimentation like a lot of people did i actually joined a ghost hunting team for a while and i was a main researcher for them i went on 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 actual hunts no i honestly can look back at my life and say no regrets and i don't regret paying Candyman because i'm not going to do it
0: and that was actually a really good movie i mean
1: fantastic
0: (laughs) what one of the old movies that I love, though, is Exorcist. Oh, that's a good one, too. That right there is, I only watched that once. I'll never watch it again.
1: My favorite of all time, it's by Wes Craven, and I mentioned it on the show. It's called Prince of Darkness. Check it out. I I totally, totally recommend it. And I watch it to this day. I watch it like nine billion times. For some reason, it still gives me little chills in my spine. It still does, even though, obviously, the technology is where it should be. But here's why you need to watch it. Alice Cooper is in this movie. He murders somebody at a bicycle, not by running them over, not ruining it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but he mur- I never thought if a person could be murdered in that way. So kudos to Alice
0: Cooper. <laughs> well, then again, you are talking about Alice Cooper.
1: Mm. He was yeah. playing a homeless guy in that one, which totally makes sense. But... <laughs> You do not see that part coming. And I'm like, damn.
0: (laughs) This is the espresso moment. Your first job.
1: I was a waitress in a restaurant called Smitty's. I don't know if you guys have that chain out there. And it's like a pancake house, but it has like a wide range of menu. And to this day, well, actually, to this day, I can't eat a lot of waffles. I only started eating waffles last year again because the smell of pancake batter. I just couldn't stand it after doing two years of time there.
0: Your favorite season?
1: Spring. And the Your reason favorite- behind that is because you see what's to come.
0: <laughs> Your favorite food? Food.
1: <laughs> I like so much stuff. I, I, I That's a thing. I find myself weird in that way. I don't have a favorite food, but I do have a favorite drink alcoholic beverage, sangria. It's it's lovely. But other than that, I like just such a range of it. And I, and I've never been a picky eater. So All
0: right, who's your hero?
1: Okay. This is going to sound stupid and thank God the basement door is closed so my husband can't hear it. <laughs> but I have two. I I my parents believe it or not yes i'm going to say that that cheesy answer and the reason is because they 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 raised us on a farm that's hard that is very hard to do my other person who i kind of try to emulate my life after is my my grandma my dad's father she was 5 foot 1 she was barbed wire and leather tough like tough tiny woman but yet she loved with everything she had and i every time i'm in a bad situation i just think what would grandma do And that's how I moved through it. But the last one, again, like I said, don't tell him, is my husband. And the reason is because I really respect him serving his country the way he has and the dedication he had to that. And yes, did I move a lot because of it? Absolutely. But some of the things he said and uh, he said like he did in his career. He doesn't talk about it. Like I know about it, but like for example, when the Philippines had a major typhoon and they had they had a hurricane, and he and his colleagues went in with helicopters. They went and actually flew them in off C17s to distribute food. And I have pictures, which he he doesn't want to post on social media because he's like, I don't want to get embarrassed of him bringing food to people who direly needed it. And how can you not respect that?
0: I would love to have him on one time. Uh, oh, I'll make as, him
1: join you. Oh, yes, we'll do it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would be honored to have him. Uh, Honestly,
1: he's one of the most laid get back, but funny people you would ever meet. I don't think a word that comes out of his mouth is serious. It's very rare that's why i started laughing when we got married i swear to god like you're sitting there in front of the minister saying the vows do you do you and i started laughing hysterically because that's the first time i seen him because we were actually together for eight years before we got married and i'm like that's the first time he was serious and i started laughing in the service i couldn't stop laughing till it was done
0: your favorite dessert
1: oh Hmm, I have multiple. I like it, depends on the day. But if I were to choose, I love creme brulee. I could eat that all day. Who couldn't? It's pretty darn good.
0: What time do you wake up?
1: <laughs> depends. Well you no, know, as a life as a podcaster, you have a very weird schedule. Right? <laughs> so with me mostly I'm up by seven. But if it's a night that I'm recording, like I actually did one very recently and the only time they could record was 3 a.m. So I was recording at 3 a.m., went to bed and I was up by 10.
0: What movie do you quote the most?
1: Oh, that's easy. Have you ever heard of the movie Clue? (laughs) Let us in, let us in, let us out, let us
0: out. (laughs) Are you a night in or night out?
1: Depends. On the weekend, night out. On the weekday, Night in, especially if there's my favorite reality TV show like this Thursday. No one's going to convince me to leave the house this Thursday. Why? Because it's the reunion for Vanderpump Rules. I'm there.
0: Are you a thinker or are you a doer?
1: I think I'm more of a thinker. I I think everything to death. <laughs> I'm one of those that looks at every possible reason of a why and look for every possible thing that could go wrong. And I think a lot of that came from, I started my career in healthcare as a planner. And so I think that carried on and I was an analyst for years. So I think that's part of the reason why I'm, I think, and sometimes too much, but when it comes to podcasting, I'm a doer. And I find that when it comes to adventure, I'm a doer. Right. When it comes to certain parts of my life, I schedule the hell out of it. But when it comes to others, I'm like, let's take the chance. Let's go. Let's just get on a plane and go.
0: Do you learn by watching or do you learn by doing?
1: I'm a watcher. (laughs) I'm definitely a watcher. I've always been that well, because I was an analyst. I analyze the heck about everything. So I always watch it. Then I do.
0: When you go swimming, do you dive in or do you tiptoe in
1: Oh, well, I tiptoe in because I don't want to mess the hair. It's like a girl thing. If we're going to swim, we just can't mess up the makeup and hair.
0: Your guilty pleasure.
1: Reality TV. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is the reason I was actually saying this to my girlfriend yesterday. The reason why I love reality TV is because no matter how bad your week is, no matter how badly you screw up at work, you just watch one of those jo- shows and you're like, damn, I'm lucky. I'm not them. And that's what I do to cheer myself up. After a long week, I watch a reality show. and I'm like, oh God, I'm so glad I'm not you.
0: What motivates you?
1: when it I'll, I'll, In reference, when it came to the show, the show that I do, what motivated me was the fact that I had an idea in my head that wouldn't leave. So I started, I actually did some episodes to make it leave because I had an idea. But for the most, mostly... I don't necessarily look around me for information. I'm more of a doer in that way. If I see something that's good, I motivate myself.
0: Your deepest fear. Oh,
1: oh, there's two. One is snakes. Oh no, snakes are bad. There's gotta be other creatures in the world to do that job. And I have a good reason. My sister is weird. So when she was a kid, she'd captured like snakes. And when I would go to sleep and I was like two years old and three years old, she'd just put the snake in my crib. I don't like snakes. Yeah, they're, they're not good. The other thing I am fearful of, believe it or not, is being cold. Like being very cold and camping, wearing them up and like dying from cold. And because ultimately that's how my father passed away. He had a heart attack outside and it was cold. Thank God it sped things up. But to this day, I'm petrified of being cold. As in, I always am well-dressed. I have like two hats on. I You, you name it. I'm I'm prepared for that.
0: How do you want to be remembered?
1: I actually will tell you, make it easy for you. You want to know what I want to put on my tombstone? i already told my loved ones what's going on my tombstone. It is, I lived. And that's how I want to be known, is I live my life to its fullest. I didn't wait on somebody. I didn't wait until whatever. I just lived my best life.
0: That was actually my next question to you. What would you want written on your gravestone as somebody to remember you? But I guess you answered that one already. So,
1: well, the other one I jokingly want to put is told you so.
0: And what do you care the most about?
1: My husband, my family, my dog. Oh, my, you know, he is the secret co host on Horrifying History. Right now, he's doing his job. He's guarding me by sleeping on the chair behind me. But honestly, the thing that matters most and I'll sacrifice anything for is my family, my husband, my little dog.
0: Right. And those are the questions I ask everybody. But like I said, I've been listening to you now for years. And (laughs) I felt like I've known you because you bring up little hints and little like clues about who you are, what you're doing. And one of the things like you said, when I was asking you is your husband's in the service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And recently I, out,
1: he's recently out after 32 years, wow. but he's working for them now, just basically <laughs> doing the same job as a civilian. And I tell, I ask him all the time, do you miss it? You want to know what his answer is? No. <laughs> he said, it's, he basically, as you get up in ranks, you stop doing the trade that you originally were for, and you manage people. And he said, you can't pay me enough to manage people again. That's like the worst. It's hard. It's hard.
0: What branch was he in?
1: He was in the Air Force.
0: So people out there right now, you got to thank the veterans. You got to thank the people who fight for your country. Yes, you're from Canada, but you still got to respect every veteran that's out there because they really don't have to do it. They volunteer to do it. They volunteer to be away from the families and they volunteer to put their life on the line every day.
1: And a good example of that was four years ago. And this is when my husband was starting to think of getting out. He was just kind of getting tired a bit because we were in at a base that, and I was putting my calendar to market, to, to calculate it out. He was gone six months of every year for six years. And that burns a person out. And the last deployment he had was seven months and it was in Mali in Africa. And so here I am at the house, have to take care of everything, take care of the bills, you name it. I'm, I'm at home taking care of everything. And it was after that seven month tour, here I am sitting outside and what you hearing car bombs go off. And, and he said, all I wanted to do was go home. And he says, I'm finally at a point in my career that I've, I've done everything I wanted to do. I I've done some great things that people will never know about. And he goes, and I don't want them to, but he said, honestly, I just want to be at home. I'm, I'm ready to get out. I just want to be at home. And for the first six months he got out, but we, we started, we actually, when he got out, it was during the pandemic. So he got to stay home and he likes it a little too much. I
0: think. <laughs> no, you uh, you are home. You've took care of the bills. You also did a podcast. I mean, you must've been going crazy doing everything like that. And still in the back of you, well, still in the back of your mind though, you had to think about him and keep everything going at home.
1: Well, this sounds really bad for me to say it. I never, when he left, I would worry. I would worry about little things of how is he going to settle? How is he going to adapt? But I always thought he was going to come home. I, I did worry a little bit about that, but not as much. My friends, on the other hand, because again, that is your our community. I never even thought they wouldn't. And then one day, one of our best friends didn't. And so he was killed in action. And after that occurred, and after everything we went through with that, every time he left, it didn't matter if he was gone for a decor somewhere. I, I couldn't help but worry that he wouldn't come home. So it's nice I don't have that stress anymore. And that that's the great thing. I don't have that, that, and I didn't realize how much of a burden that is on me and how much a burden that it is for any military wife. They get used to it, right? You get used to having to take care of everything, being there for them when they're gone. You just don't put your brain in that mindset because otherwise it'd be hard to do. But for me, after that happened, I always constantly worried about him coming home. And now I know he's coming home. It's such a relief. And I and and such a stress reliever knowing that you have your partner there, that they'll help you with the dishes, they'll help you doing this, you don't have to do it by yourself. And that itself takes time to to adapt to that they're there, that they'll help you out. I found that I got a little too independent, I think. So it's now, so it's nice. It's it's nice to have them home.
0: Well now you got to deal with them every day too, though. <laughs>
1: But that's the thing. A lot of people I noticed in relationships. So in Canada, they did stats on military divorce rates. It's at 96%. Yeah, it's not the easy life to lead. And the way I see it with him and I, for us to get through all that. And we had to learn to depend on each other. And a lot of couples don't. We had to learn that even though that we were apart, we still depend on each other and support each other. And that's what I think got us through. And it's for him to be home. Honestly, now he goes, but he, he goes to work you know, a couple of days a week in office, a couple of days at home. I don't like him going into work, even though he's been out now for a couple of years. I prefer him at home. I, I honestly like him. <laughs>
0: Now, for those that don't listen to Horrifying History, here we are talking about everything else, not even the podcast anymore. But for those that don't listen to Horrifying History, Brenda's a one-woman show. She does the research herself. She does the recording herself. Yes. She does everything herself. Would you ever think about bringing him in as like a special guest?
1: I have been asked that before, but I think I would bring him in and do another show. I'd still do my own show. Trust me. I'm thinking of doing another show. I have an idea in my head. It's been there for a while. And I would bring him in to be, make it lighter because the material I'm going to talk about is kind of dark too. So I thought of that. And then his answer was like, maybe I'll think about doing other jobs. What kind of jobs is there? And I'm like, do you want to do my editing? No. Do you want to do my social media? Oh God, no. Do you want to? That's all that's left.
0: (laughs) Right. And And we're doing doing a podcast. I know this. There's actually a lot of work. There's the planning, Mm -hmm. there's the editing, there's the recording, there's the scheduling, everything. It's Mm -hmm. not just sitting down the people think and hitting a record and then putting it up. There's actually a lot to do.
1: But with that said, you can tell the shows that do exactly that, just hit the record button and put it up. You could tell the shows that put their time in.
0: Now, for those that don't know. How long does it actually take you, Brenda, to come up with an idea, plan it, research it, put it out, and so from start to finish? How long does that take you?
1: In when I just started, a lot longer. But with time, then you you can you're you probably seeing that in your show too. With time, you develop certain processes and get in certain grooves. So what I do is I keep a running episode list. And whenever, like, say I'm sitting there watching TV boom idea pops up put the idea on that list it's 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 consistently like it's on iCloud so I can reach it anywhere so I already have my episode ideas planned through season 14 and we are on season 10 right now when it comes to the writing basically what I do before that is I kind of sort that list where you kind of have those like idea things where you just kind of like stick stickers and then put them in columns it's kind of like that and then I and then I really start working those ideas to be something that I know would work for a show and then comes the research point and the writing point. And then usually I take a break with them and I just kind of dump it in a folder and I record like a month at a time. So that's why somebody says, I love this week's show. And I'm like, what was this week again? Because I'm usually like six to eight weeks ahead of time. So I have to think back. But if I were to go from now, current times versus before, it is, I'd say, easily half the time. But I'd say it's about 10 hours at least, at least. It's a pro- like straight with research, writing. And then recording and editing. That's if I'm having a good voice day. Because you get that. There's sometimes where you're you're trying to run off a script. And I think the speaking is easier than running off a script because people expect you to make a mistake. But oh my God, I was also asked too, would I ever have my outtakes? Never in a million years. The cursing I do. Oh, the cursing. I curse. I actually curse bilingually, creatively two I think so yeah no that's not going out there but I'd say 10 hours to 20 hours depending on the material depending how obscure it is I'm actually doing a show right now have you ever heard about the Zambian meat website okay for your listeners google it so basically it's in Zambia and it's a website they're known for their meat and it's not necessarily animals that you would think it's people and this site developed it and it's thank god it's gone now but you can read a lot about it it's basically where people would talk about their dreams of BDSM and cannibalism or they would try to get together with somebody and there has been crimes based on it one of them came out of germany and it was a police officer he wanted to be the cannibal he met up with somebody from poland who wanted to be the eat tin and well you can imagine what happened
0: I believe I did hear about that, but we also had a case like that with cannibalism not that long ago, well, actually long ago now, with Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: Yeah, and one of the one of the story I not only tell about that story in this episode, some about three quarters done writing it right now. I'm also adding a story that happened out of Toronto. The guy was named Bruce MacArthur and he ended up being a serial killer from about 2010 to 2018 is when he got arrested and he murdered multiple people. But the problem was because of this website, it was the Interpol called the Toronto police and said, I think that you guys have a cannibal and he's the guy doing this. So the description they gave of the the person who was allegedly eaten matched a couple of the missing men that were killed. So they started investigating the total wrong direction, thinking it was a Zambian meat site cannibal when it actually wasn't. He was actually a, a landscaper <laughs> who went awry.
0: Well, I think I have to put this one on explicit now, but yeah. <laughs> so what, all right. What are you working on your new episodes so of people can actually listen now. What are you working on right now that you're going to get released soon.
1: Oh, well, actually, like I said, the episode I'm writing right now is about the Zambian Meat website. That's coming out in July. So I just opened up my list. So we're on the 21st. (laughs) Oh, Oh, this is going to be a fun episode. So the next episode that's coming out this Wednesday is called Sleep in the Supernatural. And the reason why I decided to do an episode about that is because I was on another show and he was talking, the host, there was a female and male host and the male was talking about the night hag. Have you ever heard of the night hag? Ah, Mm -hmm. Well, there is, I'm not going to ruin it for you guys. I'm not going to throw out spoilers here, but there is alleged supernatural creatures who attack people at night. And one of them is the night hag. Now, interestingly, the lore is really strong in certain areas and the dreams that people have about them, alleged dreams, are all the same. So we do talk about, there's not just one creature out there being the night hag that wants to get you when you sleep. So we go through things like that. The hat man is another one. Also, there's the classic succubus and incubus. And we talk about all these creatures that could come after you, but We also tell why science says that that's not true at all. It's all made up in your mind. So again, for the people who are experiencing it, it's very real. Science alleges they can explain it, but are they right?
0: So as we bring this to an end, because like I said, I listened to Brenda for years. We can go on for hours.
1: Yeah, you just have to have me back then and I'll invite the (laughs) hubby.
0: Well, okay. That sounds awesome. So any last words, any last ideas, any last suggestions for the listeners? Well,
1: something you brought up earlier was tips about two new podcasters. And and since you're fairly new yourself, I'm going to give the best advice that I wish somebody gave me. That's not what you're going to read on any article. It's do what you want. And I find that a lot of people say, okay, read your reviews and that'll tell you how to change. And that's true. There's value in it. Sometimes there's just a lot of trolls. And especially when you come to the material that I have or, but even any material, there's just a lot of trolls. So don't take things necessarily to heart. I had to stop reading my reviews because it was, it was affecting my mental health. So I, that's where I'd made the decision of like, what, I'm not going to worry about what other people think. I'm going to do what I want to do and do the best of my ability. And as long as I'm happy, that's what matters. Because ultimately, I'm putting hours a week into this. It has to be rewarding for me not for everybody else. And if nobody listens, I'm cool with that. And as soon as I broke free from that, the classic, Oh my God, what does my stats say? What does everybody else want you to do? I started doing what I wanted. And I, that's where I found that I started having success is because I was doing what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. And you really hear a difference in a person's voice when that happens. And I I noticed a difference in my voice when it happened for me.
0: Right. And I want to say before I end this, I want to say this on air is you're one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I listened to you and I said, well, if Brenda can do it. Why can't I?
1: Exactly. And how did I start? I found, I listened to another podcast. It was my girlfriend and her brother and they were doing a podcast out, out of their closet, literally. And I remember listening to it and I'm like, I never listened to podcasts before ever, but my first thought was, way back when we had terrestrial radio, there's so many limitations. And then came satellite radio, which helped create a lot of freedom. But now you have podcasts where a person like me could go in their dank basement and say things that I want to say. And I said, that was the changing mark for me. That is what made me inspire. Hey, I could could do this too. And if I can inspire one person or help another person like I'd be helped, I'm more than happy to do it.
0: Well, thank you for your time.
1: Oh, no problem. It was fun. And I got to come back. You do? Yes.
0: Until we talk again, may you enjoy your week, your dreams come true, and your coffee cup never run dry.